Welcome to the Fuel Lift Thrive podcast, where we talk all things fitness, no-nonsense nutrition, and lifestyle transformation for the modern-day woman who's ready to quit the diets, ditch the scale obsession, and fall in love with being strong. Hosted by yours truly, Alessia Donato, opinionated Italian, lover of all things iron, who also happens to be a certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, life coach, and owner of the Body by Less online nutrition and fitness program. So grab yourself a coffee as we get open and honest about what it takes to build a strong, fit, and healthy body and mind from the inside out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fuel Lift Thrive podcast. Today I sit with my good friend and fellow strong woman Anna De Leon. She's the owner of Woman by Anna and she's an all-around badass. I'm all for supporting women, so I got her onto the show. She's an athlete, purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's a makeup artist, a stylist, a photographer, entrepreneur, and mom. And we sat and talked about women in sports, how to start your journey in mixed martial arts and contact sports. We also talked about how she manages to do all the things while staying sane and grounded. And we also chatted about beauty, how to take care of your skin, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, it would mean the world if you gave it a five-star review on iTunes with a comment so it can inspire and reach more strong women like Anna and like you. So let's get to the episode. Welcome, Anna, to the podcast. Hey, (laughs) it's so nice to be here. It's so nice to be here. So great to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. Um, We're going to have a really cool conversation today about a lot of different things, I guess, um, but mostly, you know, just to get to know you and you as an athlete, you know, I, I feel like I am very much in the kind of, you know, fitness space in terms of like the gym. I, I'm not really into any specific sports. And so um, I admire women who are in sports and I think it's awesome. And so that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast. So yeah, enough about, you know, me, let's, let's get on to you. So tell me about you, where you're from and what do you do? Well, I've been in Dubai for what, 19 years. So I practically um, am a local. I, w- I always joke about me being a local because I literally saw the Emirate of Dubai, like literally rise from the sand. Mm. Like when I got here, we only had city center. And I saw all of the Emirates being built. You remember Hard Drug Cafe? Oh my the gosh. The Drone. Oh, yes, I do. I remember that. Yeah. I also remember yeah. when, you know, they had that, the, the, the two massive guitars that, that were kind of crossed over in the, in the entrance, the two big, big guitars. And uh, yeah, and, yeah like it was, it was so, oh my God, so long ago. So that was how long I've been in uh, this beautiful uh, country of the UAE. And um, 
it is in this country that I developed my passion for this wonderful sport called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. That's why I am so, so grateful because the government of the UAE is a number one proponent to really growing this sport, um, not just in the UAE, but all throughout the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mainly because of the UFC. So I, I love mixed martial arts and um, I just realized that most of the submissions that were being uh, done by these champions are like derived from the sport called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I was a huge fan and I still am a huge fan of Ronda Rousey and her arm bars were legendary, right? So I'm like, where did this, this sport come from? Because prior to me doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I was already doing Muay Thai and I was doing boxing. Okay. I never really got into this whole weightlifting thing mm -hmm. it's like i need to i need a sport uh that I, that would really charge me up mm -hmm. so i never really felt like i want to go to the gym to lift weights yeah. so that's why i got into muay thai and i got into boxing and then i discovered brazilian jiu-jitsu and i never looked back and it, it has been I would call the constant in my life. It keeps me sane. It keeps me focused. And it, it changed the trajectory of my life in more ways than one. And I mean, in more ways than one. Yeah, That's amazing. I mean, I feel like so many women, when they first get into, you know, fitness and exercise, it's all about just weight loss, um, which is fine, you know, if that's, how you start and stuff but like it, it's so nice to see so many women now just really focusing on performance and focusing on how their body forms and how they're they're getting stronger um but tell me why brazilian jiu-jitsu because i'm curious how um I'm fascinated by the sport, but not so much. I've never wanted to do it myself. Um, it's a very, you know, it's such a contact sports, right? You're like up in yeah. people's buttholes, I think. So tell me why Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> okay. So every time I get asked this question, I always tell everyone that there's so many um martial arts in the world. There's so many practices. However, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has always proven to be the best martial arts when it comes to an actual physical altercation. Because a lot of, a lot of the times you would see, okay, if there's an altercation, you see somebody boxing one person and the person boxes you back. Yeah. And then what do you end up, your, your face gets mangled. But in yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I would take you down, put you, put you, uh, put you on the ground, turn you to an, into a pretzel, probably choke you out, leave you unconscious for six seconds, and I say bye-bye. So there's no need for my, for, for my face to get mangled. And you know, when we, when we are in the beauty industry, yeah. um, even, though, even though I was on, on the, uh, um, behind the camera, there will be occasions when I have to be in front of the camera mm. um, for magazine features and stuff like that. And I, I didn't necessarily want my face mangled. Mm. And um, and also in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, we we always say that size doesn't matter. But obviously, if like I am I'm fifty kilos, and if I have to fight somebody who's hundred, obviously that matters. But we really really emphasize on the importance of technique, and I have seen this um, play out uh, when I practice the sport. Like if a person is 
bigger than me, same belt as me. But if I remain calm, for sure, I can turn into a position enough for me to submit a bigger and stronger person. So it is very, it's very empowering. And it makes you feel comfortable in super uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on the ground and somebody is on my side and doing side control, or if somebody is mounting me and I cannot breathe, you need to get centered and you need to remain calm so that you can think and utilize all of the things that you've learned so that you can get out of the very, very sticky situation that you're in. So when I say that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has changed my life in so many different ways. Mm. It has affected the way I see um, life, mm. the way I saw um, the beauty industry and my, not my, the joy that I found in leaving it and not regretting the decisions that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just really has positively affected my life in more ways than one. Um, I understand the hesitancy from a lot of women um, with regards to engaging in a very contact sport. Uh, Very recently in the U.S., a lot of uh, women have come out uh, being sexually assaulted by black belts. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But we are so lucky to be in the Middle East where something like this is really actioned upon by obviously the gym owners and the government of Dubai. Uh, so that we're very lucky. Um, yeah. So that's why I, this is something that I always, uh, I tell all of the girls that I meet, give it a try. You never know. And I have convinced more than one or two girls mm-hmm. to try it out. Um, I think one of the girls that I, um, I, I invited to a class, she came to class because of the uh, fitness challenge, Dubai fitness challenge okay, yeah. in 2019. Yeah. And she never looked back. And the last time I saw her, she actually earned her fourth stripe as a white belt. So you, it, when you engage in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, one of the things I always tell everyone is you have to leave malice behind. Mm, you know what do you mean I don't don't know like for me I never really thought of it thought of the positions that we had to go to as as malicious because I saw the technique to it like if I'm mounting a guy I don't see it as sexual a lot of women would probably think of it as a sexual move because I I have to be honest some of the some of the positions that you can get into in this particular sport may seem like that to other people. But if I am trying to mount you, okay, if I'm mounting you, what will you think I'll do? If it's a normal actual physical altercation, the person on top of you might want to punch you. So how do you want to get out of that punch? So you block one side, you hip bump, and then you throw the person on the other side. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't see it that way. I, I I, I just see what I can do to get out of this situation. Yeah, I feel like it's um, it's definitely one of those sports that it's almost meditative. Do you feel like that? Yeah. So, because you have to really focus on technique. It's not just about punching someone and breaking somebody's nose or kicking someone, you know, but it's more about that technique. So um, it's meditative. Do you feel like... Um, 
it really centers you into your body, gets you really centered and present. And, you know, in my opinion, like that, that translates to, you know, the outside world, like normal life, day-to-day living, um, not just in our day-to-day life, but also in potential risks, risky situations where perhaps a woman is, you know, walking on the streets alone, or she doesn't feel safe. She's got that kind of awareness, you know, because I don't know about you, but like, I sometimes, I think all of us can be like this. We're on on autopilot where you're just walking. And especially, you know, we live in this country, which is extremely safe where we, you could walk around in the middle of the night. Nobody, no questions asked, no one will bother you. But like in other countries, it's very different. So this sport kind of empowers women and empowers a woman to feel more confident, feel more present and feel like maybe, but you know, she can defend herself. Do you feel like that since you've started uh, BJJ? Do you feel like you just safer? Do you feel like you you kind of, you know, have that security in in a way? Yep, absolutely. I am, I am calm Mm. and I'm calmer actually, regardless of what situation I'm in. Mm. I don't really freak out when I'm placed in a very uh, tense situation. Um, And of course, this security that knowing the benefits that your sport has given you. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about like, I'm a mom, although my daughter is not, you know, she's not a kid anymore. She's 21. Um, Knowing that I can protect my daughter and myself anywhere. Mm -hmm. And they, it's very, I'm very, I would call it unsuspecting because I'm very small. So if they try and attack me or my daughter, they wouldn't probably know that I can probably take them to the ground, you know, like with a single leg or a double leg or dodge their, dodge their, um, dodge their punch by um, engaging in an arm drag. So yeah, um, I feel a lot safer and confident that whatever happens, uh, you know, like, on the, in the streets, I know that I can protect myself and my daughter. And um, obviously, like what I mentioned earlier, um, just daily stuff, daily occurrences in my life where, okay, we need to focus right now. Because, you know, when you when you get into the mats, you need to make sure that you pay attention to your professor, mm. see what he's trying to tell you, teach you. And then you try and do it with your training partner, but do adjustments, mm-hmm. you know, like we have a, we have a blueprint of how things should work in our life. Right. However, um, there will be occasions when you kind of need to do adjustments. Mm-hmm. So that is when um, I see the learnings and then the, the things that I've, the, the learnings that I've uh, had in jujitsu um, and I can easily uh, apply it to my you know, personal life. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I think that's, um, it's kind of, you know, very similar, obviously, with strength training. For me, it, it changed mm-hmm. my life. You know, for me, it was that that's what changed things for me. Um, having struggled with depression and anxiety and IBS, which 
was basically the reason for my depression and anxiety because I wasn't feeling good in my body. Um, strength training was literally my savior, um, other than Jesus Christ, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was something that it just, it, I, I've always been very kind of, I, I started going to the gym when I was 16. So I stepped foot into a gym when I was 16, but I didn't know what I was doing, obviously. And um, it was always very, um, it was always about weight loss and stuff. And so when I first started actually training for strength and I switched my focus from purely weight loss to focusing on my body's performance and getting stronger, um, I just noticed how it spilled into my everyday life. Like I just became stronger mentally and not just physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And um, there's so many parallels, you know, to, to how it makes you feel um, physically to mentally. So um, that's awesome. I love that. Um, tell me something about, you know, how long does it actually take to get good at jujitsu? Um, because it seems like from the outside, it seems like something that is a very, it's a very humbling experience. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> in a sense that, you know, it's not, it's not one of those, like I can learn it in a month or, you know, with strength training, it's the same, but it's, it's a lot quicker to see kind of results in a sense, but I'm sure with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a longer road. So tell me a little bit about that and, and your like wow. your road to purple, purple belt. Like, tell me a little about your road to the purple belt. Uh, okay. The road to getting better at jiu-jitsu, it's a never ending road. It doesn't end because, because when you think about it, um, you're a purple belt or let's say you're a black belt you roll with different people every single day, you know, and every single sparring partner that, that engages with you brings out a different personality. Like they bring out so many different parts of your personality or your different types of uh, techniques when it comes to fighting. So it's a never ending um, cycle of learning. And I think this is the reason why uh, we emphasize on humility when you want to stay in the sport because i can tell you how humbling it is to be choked by somebody who's smaller than you you know what i mean or 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 it's also very it feels so empowering and you know like it fills you with so much bad assery that you can footlock uh, and submit a, a guy who's a hundred kilos, mm -hmm. you know, and you're like half his size. So it, it's, it, it is about the yin and the yang of the sport. You need to find the perfect balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I love about the sport is that it just makes you want to learn more and more and more. That's why you see a lot of black belts for four-stripe black belts and the, the corral belts, that they still practice the sport even in their um, old age because they learn something every single day. So the road to, get, to getting better just doesn't stop. Because let's say you are in a competition Let's say you win a gold in that particular tournament. You go back to the mats, okay, and get submitted by somebody who is who's a who's a, a a new blue belt or a new purple belt, and you're like, what did I do? Like I just grabbed the gold medal in that last tournament, and this person who's like 
a new purple belt just submitted me like what happened so it keeps you it keeps you grounded it keeps you um in constant uh desire to just be better at your sport so it just doesn't end the learning does yeah. never ends i love that it's kind of making me want to try it <laughs> you have to yeah. <laughs> at least have a less like just visit the dojo once mm-hmm. just once mm-hmm. yeah. cool i love that <laughs> um okay well that's just amazing i mean i i just love um, for me, learning and just getting better, that 1% better every day is is my motto, like in everything that I do. So um, the fact that it's a never ending learning experience is is awesome. And I love that story that you just said that you can, you know, win one day and then the next day be beaten by someone just smaller or, you know, someone who isn't as, um, who hasn't won or someone who's weaker or whatever, you know, and that's just very humbling. And it just shows that, you know, um, size, you know, the, the muscle or size or how strong you are doesn't always mean that, you know, you're, you're going to win. So how did you get to purple belt though? Like, I want to know, first of all, I want to know what, what are the levels? Like, so you start with white, yeah, you start with white and then you uh, go to blue and then you do purple and then brown and black. And then from black, you have coral, I think. I don't any, I don't know anymore what's what's after what's after coral. So that our, our masters are, are in that yeah, yeah. level. <laughs> so um, I was a I was a white belt for about a year and then all I spent almost four years as a, as a blue belt. Mm-hmm. And then I got promoted to purple belt last year, November. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just been, you know, whenever, whenever we get promoted to a different um, belt level, we always have like this um, target on our backs, you know? Mm-hmm. So after I got promoted to blue, all the white belts there, they just want to kill you. They want to kill you. <laughs> and, and it's like, every time you step on the mat, it's like, God help me. May all the jiu-jitsu gods be with me on the mat so that I don't get my ass served in front of, my, in front of me. You know what I mean? And then it's the same when you get to purple, all the whites, all the blues. They just want to submit a higher belt. So it's like, man, you got to up your game all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, and for me, for me, it's, it's just the, for me, the belt, and this is what I always tell everyone, the belt is just there to keep my kimono secure. I love it, that. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter if I'm a white, if I'm a blue, if I'm a purple. It's just belt. What matters is what they see on the mats. And what matters is if I know I'm in that level that I should be on. Mm. Obviously, there's a pride that comes with um, having earned a different colored belt because that shows you how much uh, dedication you have put in the sport. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of us, you know, like we quit so fast. Like you as a, as a, as a coach, I don't know if you've experienced this, but if your if your client doesn't show progress, let's say, oh, I haven't lost weight, you know, my waistline still is the same, 
the tendencies for them to just quit because they don't see fast results. Yeah. And when you engage in a sport like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we can't be we can't be thinking about instant gratification because it doesn't happen. Mm. You you see Ronda Rousey uh, do an arm bar, you think that it's easy. It looks easy because she's she's done the arm bar so many times. So it makes it look so easy. She makes it look so easy for everyone. But it takes years and years of practice to do that. So um, it doesn't really, for me, a belt is just a belt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just um, it just shows how much uh, commitment I've had put into the sport. Yeah. And with regards to my technical skills, the mat will decide. I love it's that. It's not the belt. The mat will decide. I love that. Yeah. Um, I also really like what you said um, because it's, it, yeah, you know, it's it goes with those parallels between life and sports that, you know, you can't expect instant gratification. Um, it's, it, I don't know, it's just one of those things that we are really guilty of today. We're just, I don't know if it's we're afraid of hard work or it we're just used to easy but it's it's like we 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 can't expect results without putting in the time you know putting yes. in um the reps you know putting in the reps yes. and, um, with weight loss it's um it, you know you'll get there you just keep going you'll get there even with with strength training you've got to put in the reps like you have to you want to deadlift twice your own body weight you have to start somewhere pretty much you know you've got to start low you know low weight you got to work your way up and it takes time and some days you're going to be really weak and some days you're going to be really strong and then some days you're going to be weak again and it's you know life happens and maybe injuries happen and and so you can't really you can't be impatient you have to enjoy the journey and I think that's really important um yeah so that's that's very true and I I really agree with you on that one so um one question before I go into kind of like your your other amazing talents um I am curious to know what do you do outside of jiu-jitsu to prepare you for jiu-jitsu so do you do anything else um, in terms of your training? Do you have to be okay. stronger? Do you have to be more fit with your like endurance or cardiovascular health? Um, so yeah, do you do, how do you get better at jujitsu? Do you keep doing jujitsu? Obviously, but anything else mm-hmm. that you do? Well, um, one of the greatest jujitsu um, athletes in the world, Marcelo Garcia was asked, how do you get better at jiu-jitsu? And then he just said, just train jiu-jitsu. <laughs> just that, just train jiu-jitsu. Obviously, obviously, uh, when there's like tournaments coming up, you have to make sure that your cardio is on point, you have strength and conditioning. Um, but you know what? <laughs> we always tell everybody, you think your cardio is good? You think your cardio is good? And then you step on the mat in jiu- and then you do jiu-jitsu and you're like, you realize that, Damn, my cardio sucks balls. So, because when you're doing cardio, like you're running or whatever other cardiovascular um, exercises that you do, you don't have somebody's, you don't have somebody else on top of your mm-hmm. your chest yeah. trying to choke you out. You don't have somebody <laughs> like that. So, um, for me, 
I do normal cardio. Actually, I hate cardio. Oh, <laughs> really honest with you. I, <laughs> I, I cannot run to save my life. I always tell, I always tell my friends or even my boyfriend, like, how do you run? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. So um, the thing is now, I, the reason why I lift weights is because I know it's going to complement uh, my jiu-jitsu. Mm. I, unlike, unlike probably for other people who don't have a sport, they primarily do weights to look a certain way. I have abandoned that kind of thinking when I, when I really started doing jiu-jitsu. Everything that I do has to complement my performance on the mats. If it doesn't, if it's just going to give me six-pack, I probably wouldn't want it. Mm. But then I always tell everybody, <laughs> do it for, um, because we have, you're either a guard puller or you, or you do stand-up or do takedowns. So a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, they like to pull guard and you need to have, you need to make sure that you have great um, leg strength. Yeah. So I do, I do my squats. I do my, I do my um, deadlifts for the guard and the, and the, and the booty is a byproduct of what I do for my sport. <laughs> so, so um, I, th- I think I went off tangent. So um yeah, it's just normal cardio and everything that I do, like whatever um, strength and conditioning that I do, it has to complement mm-hmm. um, my sport. Yeah, 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 that's great. So tell me, what do you think holds women back from pursuing this kind of sport or any kind of sport that involves more performance rather than, you know, bodybuilding or stepping up on stage or getting skinny so yeah it's I think the fear of being judged Mm. you know we're all beginners at some point all of these all of these world-class athletes were sucking at their sport when they started so you're no different from let's say Ronda Rousey she had to start from somewhere, mm. you know? So I, I think that um, a lot of us are so scared of being judged. Mm-hmm. That's why it stops us from, from, um, from, from signing up for competition mm. or you've been wanting to try this sport, but you're just like, you know what? what if my face ends up on somebody else's butt? <laughs> you know what I mean? Those, yeah. kinds of, those kinds of things. And they're legitimate. They're, they're all yeah. legitimate. What I'm saying is, just do it. What? How bad can it be? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, how bad can it be? So just do it. Mm-hmm. And always, always bear in mind that all of these world-class athletes they started from the bottom of the barrel too. Yeah. You got you get you got you have to start somewhere and it normally starts at the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, I love that. All right, I love that. Love that conversation. Um mm-hmm. let's talk about beauty. Um this okay. is something that, you know, I don't normally 
talk about on the podcast, you know, obviously it's a fitness and health and, but for those of you who don't know, I used to be a makeup artist. Um, I spent 10 years in the beauty industry. If you've listened to episode one, I talk a little bit about my story. Um, and I left the beauty industry. I very much left it in a sense that I stopped doing all makeup whatsoever. Um, in 2016 and then I went to um I went into fitness and health and um but that's how we met Anna we met you know in 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 the beginning well it was a long time ago I don't even remember (laughs) but we definitely I think we just I just vaguely remember meeting you at a shoot and it was it was um you know, it was fun and we clicked and we just, you know, friends ever since. And, um, but you still do beauty. Am I right? A little bit. Yeah. Um, You've shifted a lot as well. Like you've shifted into kind of photography and styling and but you were always a stylist. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember you, you said that you studied in Italy, which is, is, is super cool. Um, uh, but yeah, like you've done a lot of different things and you've got this multi, talented kind of you're just multi-talented and it's awesome so what I want to know because you know you've done so much and you've seen you know you've done you tell me a little bit about your your journey in in the beauty industry and um and and how do you define it like how do you define beauty as a mom too oh wow you know what um my, my, my thoughts on beauty has changed dramatically. And obviously in, in the beauty industry, I, it's so funny because I started my obsession with this industry, like this multi-million, multi-million industry way back before it became even famous. Yes. I was, I was collecting cosmopolitan covers of Polina Poritskova, okay, photographed by the great Viktor Skrebnesky. Mm-hmm. And um, the makeup was flawlessly done by Kevin Aquan. I'm not too sure if people know about Kevin Aquan because now it's all about Mario Diaganovic, yeah. who, Kevin who I had the pleasure of meeting in New York and Scott Barnes. Yeah, like Kevin Aquan just was the first book that I ever bought. I yes. Yeah. So I have his I have his books, and I was absolutely obsessed with his work. I was obsessed with the 90s supermodel, Cindy Crawford, Stephanie Seymour, Linda Evangelista. I love the Freedom 90 videos by George Michael. So I've always, I, I, I love that kind of, um, the way that uh, Kevin Aquan just flawlessly painted the faces of these you know, supermodels. But um, it's, I, I kind of lost my, my, my desire to be in the beauty industry because everybody just wanted to look like everyone. They all wanted to look the same. You know, it's like your individuality doesn't show anymore because I want, I want Kim Kardashian's lashes. I want to be cut and contoured. I was like my beauty philosophy and it still is today don't fix what's not broken. I've learned this from my first, um, my first boss, you know, old Francisco. Um, don't fix what's not broken. If you've got a beautiful bone structure, yeah, contouring it is not going to make you look better. It's going to make you look gaunt. It's going to make you look older. Not, I mean, not unless that's your purpose, mm. but 
a lot of people nowadays they've just they've just embraced this beauty mode and if you're not um succumbing to that beauty mode then you're not beautiful everybody needs to have talon like nails everybody needs to have those lashes everybody needs to be contoured it doesn't work Baked. that way <laughs> bait and i'm like i am 44 sweetheart i cannot afford to bake number one i don't have the time to bake so <laughs> yeah. i i, I want to make sure that my makeup is um flawlessly done but it's something that i can do in five to ten minutes tops mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so i i just For me, and, and when I started doing makeup and when I got to Dubai and I started teaching, I my desire has always been to make women see exactly how I see them. A lot of women are so um, consumed by what they see in the media that they don't appreciate the beauty that, that they have, you know? That's why um, whenever I, I put makeup on, let's say, real women, okay, I call them real women, not models. Yeah. I photograph them and I show them this is how you look like and they're so they're so shocked like I look like this I said of course you look like that and I and I think that there is um they feel more validated if that kind of compliment comes from somebody from the industry mm-hmm. you know but why does it have to be from somebody like me why can't you see that in the mirror because the thing is they're inundated with images That have been that have been photoshopped that have been i mean you take a beautiful model you put her in a studio with perfect lighting with a with a good makeup artist with a good stylist with a great photographer she's almost going to look celestial in in in, in, in on instagram and you expect a normal woman to act to, to 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 think to think of herself as beautiful when she sees an image like that That so, reminds me so much of something that Gisela Bunchen said. I don't even know if I'm saying uh-huh. her name right, but um, Gisela, <laughs> you know, the, the, the famous Victoria's Secret model, model. she yeah. once said that Gisela doesn't even look like Gisela. True. Yeah. Exactly. So like we, we are so, like you said, inundated with these fake um, staged images and even just going on Instagram, you know, with filters um, and, mm-hmm. and all these weird looking filters too, that like <laughs> change the way your face looks like it just changes your physiognomy and like all of it is just so different and changes your eye color like people yeah and all these young girls that are just looking at this and thinking oh my god like I don't look like this how do I look like this um and it's not just beauty like it's also physical like women's bodies you know and 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 physically how they look I mean TikTok is a cancer right now in my opinion and um it's just a horrible place cesspool of weirdness but yeah I mean I just I I really resonated with what you said um because that's how I felt when I left the industry um I've always I've loved I loved makeup I loved what I could you know do mostly with with normal women like it was just yeah. this beautiful this beautiful moment where you can, you, you know, where I remember they would just look at themselves and they'd be like, well, is this me? Like what? Oh my God. Some, some of them would even start crying. And it was just like, yep. it's, and, and now it's, it's, it's totally, it's totally not the same. Um, mm-hmm. It's changed so much with the whole beauty yes. gurus, YouTube gurus and 
so you know it's it's such a different different uh scenario now it's such a different yeah, look beauty industry has a very different look um it's had a yeah. makeover and I don't particularly like it but um and I love that I love that you're still you know are you still teaching by the way uh no more I, I stopped doing my workshops mm. I, I felt I felt that doing these massive classes they're, they're great okay but I just can't get to all of the questions of all of my students there were there were a couple of workshops where um, after the day of the workshop, I would receive like 100 emails asking me or reconfirming things with me. So I decided to just do one on one. It's more personal. I get to spend more time with them. And this is this. I think this is the beauty of uh, the makeup industry. There's so many different avenues that you can take. I have gladly left, you know, that side of the beauty industry where we need to do photo shoots, where we yeah. need to do fashion shows. And, you know, it, it's great. A lot of people think that it is a glamorous job. I'm like, no, it's not a glamorous job. The, the reason why we are in this industry is because we just love what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I don't know if you remember how difficult it is to be tugging your kit from jobs to jobs, you know, like carrying your, your makeup kit and having your own workstations. And that's that's not the end of your job. Like when you get home, you have a gazillion of brushes to clean and makeup to disinfect. And then when you do an editorial, they think it pays. It doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. You will just have your name written on there. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the, I think the, be the the beauty of the beauty industry is that like for, for the both of us, mm -hmm. we have left that kind of a life, but we can still pursue it by um, applying makeup on a bride, which I feel is, for me, the most beautiful thing because you get to be a part of this woman's life for the rest of her life. Like yes. her, your work, your yeah. work is going to be on this woman's most important event. And I always tell my, my, let's say when I would work with my brides, right? I always tell them that this is not my work. This is a collaboration between the two of us. That's why, you know, Kate, um, just to all the ladies out there, always schedule a test makeup. It is your wedding day. Okay. It is your wedding day. It is your face. If you're not comfortable with how the makeup artist did your makeup on your test, you got to make the changes. Mm -hmm. So so we can go the, the the bridal route or what I still love to do is I still teach makeup and I do makeovers and I photograph them. And it's just, it's a beautiful experience. It's a beautiful experience. I love that. It's just so much more, um, yeah, like it's just, it's, I love, I used to love bridal. Like I used to love being on, yeah. you know, part of this, this, this special day and, um, I used to love teaching. Obviously, I, I also went mm -hmm. down the teaching route. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just so different than just photo shoots. Totally different. Um, so tell me, what does your routine look like in terms of, you know, as a mom and entrepreneur and athlete? Like, you have so much things going on. What does your day-to-day -day routine look like? Is it similar day-to-day -day or is it different? Oh, it's... It's so it's so easy. <laughs> I'll share I'll share a secret with you. So you know my sport is grappling. 
So most of the time, my face is on the mat. It's on another person's kimonos. So it, it, it's so funny because I don't touch my face. Mm-hmm. I don't touch my face after training. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I do after training is I go to the bathroom. I wash my hands thoroughly. I sprinkle water. I remove everything. And then I wash my face. So that's the very important. That's very important for me as an athlete is to take care of my skin. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I. But but my routine is so 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 simple, and um, I just make I make I make sure that I remove my makeup. It's like double cleansing. So you yeah. remove your makeup, you wash your face. Uh, I tone my skin, and one of the secrets that I have shared with so many women. Because they asked me, okay, Anna, what do you do? Like, you're, I'm 44, I'm turning 45 uh, next year. And um, luckily, I have not had any kind of injections on my face. Uh, the most that I have done was like have, um, like, what, what do you call that facial? Kind of removes uh, dead skin cells. So I've had a professional facial done, but I can't I remember how long it. ago it was. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So I, I did that one. But it has been like eons. I can't remember which year. Mm-hmm. So I double cleanse. I tone my skin. And I told I tell every girl out there, so what do you recommend? I said, I've tried all kinds of toners in my life. From the most expensive to the mid-range. But I always go back to a Filipino classic, which is Eskinol. <laughs> only, yeah. only Filipinas. Only Filipinas know what Eskinol is, but I I kid you not, I kid you not, it's like my beauty staple. I have had uh, Sisley, La Mer, but I go back to a tried and true toner. It's Eskinol. Why? And then I just moisturize. I don't know. It just, I have never, I felt, I feel like my skin is super, super clean. Like, if you feel that your skin is clean after double cleansing and then you get a cotton swab and you put Eskinol in it and then you just like clean your back of your ear, your neck, your your elbows, your knees and you're like, what is this? <laughs> so I just feel like my face is super, super, super clean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and then I just moisturize. But that's just my beauty routine. It's very simple. I've not gone to a professional facialist in years. Um, so I do it at home. And um, when it comes to makeup, less is always more. Mm. So that's it. Yeah. Very simple. You know what? I have, I went, when I was younger, uh, in my early 20s, I was, you know, in deep, deep into the beauty industry. And I was obsessed uh-huh. with products and I was obsessed with buying all the latest, you know, trendy products. Um, <laughs> you know, I worked for Clarins for many years as well. And so I love the brand and I still like, you know, really love it. But I, I love the brand. I left when I left the beauty industry, I went through a bout of like really bad skin. And um, it was obviously a lot to do with my gut health and at the time. And I remember I was getting all this like weird acne on my chin. And I just, I really did not like where my skin was headed. And then, and that was, you know, only about five years ago. So it's not that long ago, but I completely simplified my routine to the most like super, super simple um, 
cleanser like it was a, an oil cleanser i literally just oil cleansed and i used like these beautiful cotton pads uh kind of like um flannel kind of thing where i would like mm -hmm. you know, remove the oil with hot water and then i would i wouldn't even moisturize it would i would just leave whatever was left on and it healed my skin and i was amazed um and then i moved to really simple routine really simple skincare and um you know i i not to you know toot my own horn but i do get complimented on to, on my skin a lot like oh you have really beautiful skin and um i do have large pores that kind of sticks with you i mean it's it's something that i've always had especially around my mm -hmm. forehead but um in general, I feel like the simpler your routine is, the better. I see so yeah, many women, like their, their routine is just filled with so many products and it's like they're, they're using so much and it's it's just and they're struggling and their skin is bad and and it's like hold up, hold up, like simplify, like so exactly. it's just so important because I feel the more stuff you put on your face, the worse it gets. And I honestly yeah. think that i agree i agree but it's so good that you mentioned gut health yes because i always tell i always tell them whatever is showing up in your skin it has got to do with something deeper so mm. you gotta address what those things are are you eating properly mm -hmm. that's one mm -hmm. you know are you getting enough sleep that's another two are you getting hydration so before you focus on cosmetic stuff maybe try and look internally like whenever remember um this um uh, graphs or charts that we we used to look at oh if you're breaking up on the sides yeah, of your face yeah. and all the way to your chin you're probably having some hormonal issues mm -hmm. um so I, I think for women before they attack their skin cosmetically they gotta look inside yeah make sure that you are feeding yourself with nutritious food yes and like what you mentioned ibs ibs clogs up everything yeah so gut health i i always tell them gut health is so so important you know um when um when when i when i took antibiotics mm -hmm. uh to address a certain a certain issue my gut was just oh it was so bad mm -hmm. you know and and that's why i was telling them that this is so important like they don't understand that everything starts from the gut Mm -hmm. All of the things that you're seeing manifesting in your skin, yeah. maybe there's something wrong with uh, there's something wrong with your gut. Yeah. Am I correct? Absolutely. I mean, your skin is your largest organ, and so it yeah. it is going to manifest what's happening internally. And um, mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, so many people just tackle the the, the external without realizing that it's all going to start from the inside. Like you can, you can have the most beautiful, most expensive products, but if you have a junk diet, like it shows, oh. um, yes, you know, yes. and it's just small changes can make such a difference as well. Like just, you know, switching from, um, you know, soft drinks or diet Coke or whatever to like, um, drinking water is is going to make such a big difference and just even even focusing on protein you know and um mm -hmm. protein in, in and of itself like is rich especially animal products like they're rich in yeah. 
fats and, and healthy fats and they're rich in collagen and elastin. Like I've seen this new trend where, you know, everyone's like obsessed with collagen shots or oh, collagen powder. I was going to tell like, you about that. Hello, <laughs> like get it from real foods. Like this powder yeah. is not going to do anything. It's just yeah. ridiculous. I- so, yeah. You know what? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like if you go and look at, let's say, a collagen powder, you see so much additives in that. Why yeah. don't you just take beef? Yeah. Um. You know, there's like bone broth. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That has a lot of collagen in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you just take it from the source? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of buying these capsules that has so much stuff in it, like, are you really sure? that all of these things are going to make my skin healthy. I'm just going to go to, let's say, uh, the grocery and get myself, uh, you know, like a, a grass-fed beef and I'm going to go make it yeah, yeah. and have dinner and enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree. It's the same with um, egg yolks and, and eggs and avocado mm-hmm. and these healthy fats like salmon, fatty salmon. Like people are popping mm-hmm. like, omega-3 pills and taking like these these multivitamins and supplements and it's like well do you actually get it from the source do you actually ever go and you know eat really good healthy fats and um from real foods and so no of course like I totally agree totally agree you know what Um, speaking of speaking of all of these uh pills and all um I always come to you I always go to you for all of my nutrition questions um there are so many people out there but i trust your honest and unbiased opinion because i tell everyone she has seen it all she <laughs> she, be, she and i am not kidding you know and then i'm not, not trying to to um be patronizing but you have tried it all you've seen it all and i think we both went into our vegan stage uh-huh yeah <laughs> yes. so you 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 spell it like how it is mm-hmm. you know I will never get bs from you when I ask you nutritional questions and um I I always tell myself and correct me if I'm wrong I don't I've never taken any bcaas I've never taken protein powders or protein shakes if I want to take protein when I get home I'm going to great I'm going to grab myself I don't know meat or tuna uh, with spinach and I'm going to fuel up on actual protein mm-hmm. does that do you think that is enough amount or do you does a person who train as much as it's a an athlete would need these kinds of supplements um, no I I honestly don't believe it I believe that supplements mm-hmm. so there's this thing called the um the pyramid of importance and um the bottom you know, the first kind, if you think of this pyramid with like stairs or steps, the bottom is mostly calories and macros getting, you know, your nutrients Mm -hmm. in your sleep and your movement and training. And then at the very top of the tip of the pyramid is supplements, because it literally is supposed to supplement what you are currently doing. So unless you are struggling to eat enough, or you're very busy, and you just don't have the time to sit down and eat, then sure, supplements can help, you know, you can uh, add protein powder to boost 
other foods make it more protein rich like oatmeal in the morning for example but if you're getting a good you know solid diet most of the time you should be able to hit your protein goals with just food um and um the only times i would say it would help to to add supplements in um is if you don't have access or have the possibility to have access, whether it be financial or um, geographical, or you know that you don't have access to really good, um, solid nutrition from real foods like beef or you know good quality chicken, good quality meats, fish, that kind of stuff. Because I mean, there's only really two supplements that I believe are you know, the best and most evidence-based one is whey protein um, because it's been researched and it is literally just a byproduct of the dairy industry. So it's just, it's like cheese, right? It's just a type of dairy and creatine and creatine can be found in beef anyway. So you don't actually have to take it, but you can take it if you don't eat enough beef. But generally, if you eat enough you should be able to get it from real foods. Um, because like you said earlier, a lot of these supplements have got weird fillers and additives and things that are just not really going to be absorbed or be recognized in the body as, as food, you know? And so that's yeah. when we start getting like weird stomach aches or weird reactions. So, um, yeah, no, I totally, um, in fact, I would say that, you know, if, if, if you, Someone pushes supplements, run the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. It, it, I just don't understand um, why you want to put something in your body that you cannot even read. So <laughs> totally, yeah, that's what my that's my philosophy when it comes to uh, like protein shakes. They taste great though. Absolutely, yeah, there them. are some really shakes of clean brands now. We're lucky that we are getting a lot of brands now that are cleaner that have less ingredients um so yeah you've just got to be like aware and just invest in a good quality uh preferably organic grass-fed way mm -hmm. if you're gonna have it um it just it's much it's just better um mm -hmm. in terms of you know where it comes from um you know with happy cows well-raised cows <laughs> i learned um, something yeah. today <laughs> whey protein and creatine so in yes. case i ever go that route i that's the only two things that i am going to be buying so, yeah so creatine, that's very good um, creatine is great it supports strength it pushes you um you, it pushes your body to be stronger um it's, mm -hmm. it makes you just stronger in the gym and it probably would assist you as well with jiu-jitsu just overall and you can take it like it's it's very uh beef is rich in creatine anyway so you're already mm -hmm. eating it in real foods um but you mm -hmm. can just get like flavorless creatine and just have like five grams per day is a good start and women should okay. take it too um it's not it's not a steroid it's nothing weird it's <laughs> found in, in real food just in case anyone out there is like what it, the hell is creatine um so yeah um yeah but tell me anna how do you manage to stay on top of things um you know with your, your busy life entrepreneurship okay um tell me this you need to wake up early mm. that's all Yes. I'm, I'm one of those early, early birds. I have always been a morning person. 
And I, I don't understand how people can stay in their beds un until 11 o'clock in the morning or even way past 9 a.m. Yeah. I mean, you just wasted half a day. Yes, that's so you true. You wasted half a day. And, and the thing is, you know what? I hate being in a hurry. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I wake up very early in the morning is because I want to make my coffee, enjoy my coffee, and talk to God. Like, first thing that I do in the morning is to heat up some water, make my coffee, and do my devotions. Yeah. And then after that, anything can happen. The world can end after that. Yeah. So I, um, and, and the thing is, I never really, there is a scientific thing um, about waking up early. And I am actually almost done reading the book. It's the 5 a.m. club. Um, and it teaches you uh, how to have this, uh, the 2020 habit. 20 minutes for exercise, 20 minutes for meditation, and 20 minutes for learning. But my order is different. Um, I cannot do anything if I have not done my prayers, and then the rest can follow. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I can advise to people is if you want to be on top of your game, is to get some sleep. Although I don't practice this because for me, I can function on five hours of sleep or six. I know it's not right, but I feel like I'm fueled up. And I don't even need a second cup of coffee, like, or a third cup of coffee during the day to, to get me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works for me. So the, the only thing that we, that I, I, I tell everyone, you want to be accomplished, you want to have a sense of calmness and peace in your day, you got to start early. Because, like, if I, if I start my day as early as 4.45 in the morning, I am so relaxed. I have my cup of coffee. I have my breakfast. And the thing is, in my house, I don't have a TV. I don't have a microwave. So if I want to make, let's say, my meals for, for lunch, I need to really prepare it on the day off. Mm. So I like not being in a hurry. I like to go at my pace. Yeah, so yeah. in the morning, I go at my pace. And the moment I start working, it, it, I can go on any anybody else's pace, my work's uh, pace, as long as I have that dedicated time in the morning where I go at my pace. Mm. That's it. And I, um, I, I, do, I, I mean, it just makes you feel so much better. First thing in the morning, you wake up, you see the sun. I mean, I have the benefit of actually seeing the sunrise from my balcony and seeing the sunset from my balcony. But then, um, yeah, just wake up I early love in that. the morning before everyone else is awake. Yeah, it's just that, that, that element of slowing down. And we are always in this hurry and rush. And I think slowing down, savoring each moment, spending time, you know, before everything else takes over of your day um, where you have to attend to other people um, and mm -hmm. other people's demands on you, start with you centering yourself. Um, and I'm the same as well. I, I, I wasn't mm -hmm. always like this, but I am now. Um, 
for me, I'm a, I, I tend to sometimes rush and I don't like that either. It gets me feeling very anxious. So day, yeah, like the rest of the day, just I'm anxious. And so when I start the day in a very similar way, slow, um, get my coffee and, um, spend time with the Lord, like that's, that to me is, is, is precious. And I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't change it for anything else. Um, one thing I want to ask you before we um, end this amazing conversation, which I don't want to end, but uh, don't want to keep going. I want to keep it, you know, fairly short. I don't know how long we've even been on this in this conversation, <laughs> but I want to know, like, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, man. A lot. <laughs> pick one. Um, I, know, I know it's hard to choose, but like pick one thing. What would you tell yourself? Um, yeah, your younger self. One thing. What would I tell my younger self? It's not so bad. I love that. It's not so bad. What was the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. You know, honestly. We were also I, I think I looked at I look back at my life. I look back at my life and I see all of the things that has happened in my life. And you you you're privy to uh, my personal life. I got married. I got married, and what when I considered getting married, I didn't consider all of the things that could happen. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is I get divorced, mm-hmm. which I did. Mm-hmm. I got divorced but in that marriage what did I learn I learned a lot not just about not just about myself but you know about other cultures other religions you know so what's the worst thing that can happen I love it just I, love it. I mean I, I think I think for us you know we we, us women, we've got this inner voice, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When it's risky, when, when, it's, when it's, it's okay for you to jump off that cliff. I mean, not, not literally. But, um, but there's always something in your brain that tells you it's not so bad. And it's, what's the worst thing that can happen, mm-hmm. you know? And with that, with that, what's your favorite quote and why? What's the, oh, my favorite quote is do not worry. Hmm. Because will, will worrying add an hour to your life? And I always tell everyone, Mm -hmm. if there is anything about my life, I think um, I can very well, I can very, very well say that my life is like a living testament of that particular quote from the Bible. I don't want to get spiritual. I don't want to get religious, yeah. but he's got this. He really does. So that's why I start, I start my day talking to him and cast upon all of my worries to him. Because you know what I always tell everybody? Everything that's good in our life comes from God. And everything that's disastrous mm-hmm that's in our life is because he gave us the brain to actually decide whether we should do it or not. And the moment we own up to all of that mistakes and you ask God, God, you know what? I actually use my judgment and it's so wrong. Can I ask your help? Can I really, really please ask your help? 
And trust me when I tell you that he's not going to say no. Mm-hmm. He's not going to say no. So, yeah, guys, do not worry. I love it. Because if you worry and you ain't got the money for Botox, that's going to be so bad for you. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that I have better ways and better allocations of my money than to just get Botox. I mean, I mean, no shame, no shame in people who have money to, to do those corrections on their faces. But I, I, I don't think that I would want to spend 3000 on a certain uh, thing on my face when I could literally use that for something else. (laughs) So do not worry. He's got this. Yeah. Ask him to take the wheel. You're going to be fine. Yeah. That's it. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's been such a nice chat and different from normal. I love it. Different from what I normally talk about. Um, of course, we talked a lot about jujitsu and um, you know, for any women out there who's listening and who's curious about jujitsu uh or any other mixed oops, that sometimes happens um with my notifications but um you know if you're out there and you're listening and you're interested in mixed martial arts or any contact sport or any other sport that is you know gonna challenge you in a different way than just pursuing weight loss and and fitness to get smaller go for it like give it a try um don't be afraid to make mistakes we're all beginners and we all started somewhere and um and if you're if you're out there and you're curious about you know um, anything to do with jiu-jitsu, reach out to Anna. She's on Instagram. Um, where could we find you, Anna, on Instagram for anyone who's listening? You can well, you can find me at, on Instagram at under at yeah. Anna underscore CT underscore De Leon. So yeah. you will find my work there as a photographer, filmmaker, and makeup artist. And a little bit of jujitsu over there. But yes, I mean, when are you coming to the dojo to have a class? <laughs> it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. I promise it's going to happen. Um, I will definitely wanting to try this. So I am going to, I'm encouraging all the women out there to try it out. And that means I'm encouraging myself. So I'm yes. Anna, I can't wait. And, um, and the cool thing is that Anna's going to be my photographer very soon for a fitness and photo shoot that I'm going to be doing. So, um, I'm going to actually put Anna's details in the show notes of the podcast. So you can go and check her page out and her amazing skills and so many things. So thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show. And I thank you just had such a nice time chatting and I hope you guys that were listening, you enjoyed the episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, join us in the Facebook group as well. All the links are in the show notes guys. I'll talk to you in the next episode.